At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast, Waterfowl Wednesday edition. I'm Nick Johnson. I'm Dale Luganville. And we are Wild Stallions. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's been a minute since we've caught up, man. I did a episode with Joe for last week. I think we missed the previous week that put us like three weeks out. Yeah, that was that was a good one. I had fun listening to that one. They're, your guys' stories are always fun. Yeah, it was a good one. We enjoyed doing it. We actually did a, another one uh, right before that where we were just kind of shooting the breeze, and that lasted like 18 minutes, and I was like, we need to delete this. <laughs> <laughs> 18 minutes. <sighs> 18 minutes deep, and we are kind of – you know, like the steam just ran out. I was like, this is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of an old bit on this uh, comedy album. is Bob and Doug McKenzie, if any of you young folks know who that is. But they made it. They did a comedy album, and they start out, and they're doing little skits and stories, right? And the guy's like, hey, you remember that time we went to um, Quetico National Park? Yeah. I guess there's no point in talking about it then, is there? (laughs) That's what it reminded me of. It's like, and that story's done, so cool. (laughs) Well, we can talk about some Central Flyway late-season duck and goose hunting that I've been experiencing lately. Yeah, you're still in the thick of it. Into the thick of it? Down there in uh, Kansas. Yep, yep. I'm in Kansas right now, and uh, before we talked last time, I was about to head to Oklahoma, so me and Joe Hines could do six days of guiding duck and goose hunts down there and uh boy let me tell you that was our most difficult year in oklahoma 
um, that we've ever experienced. Uh, still had a lot of fun, but um, the bird numbers were just off a cliff. Really? I mean, I'm just going off of your Snapchat stories, but there was some, like, really nice pintails shot. I mean, maybe there weren't a lot of them, but... Right, and that actually is a really good thing about hunting the last week of duck season. It's usually lights out in Oklahoma. Like, we have never experienced this where we're struggling, but, like, all of our hunts were somewhere between, like, five or six to, like, 13 birds, Huh. Like it was difficult. We were scouting our asses off. Um, everybody at the Coastal Wings team was putting our heads together, trying to get on something that, and uh, it just, it was just so difficult down there in Oklahoma. Uh, throughout the month of January, they had um, like two consecutive weeks, like in the mid seventies to low eighties for temperature, and the ducks had already began their northward migration so there was very very few ducks to work with Hmm. which is not very typical a lot of times like the southern part of the united states like that late january early february they actually get like a cold snap many years well i mean texas and oklahoma had some pretty cold weather here recently right yeah and it just it just wasn't there before our hunts and but uh like you said, there's a lot of nice pintails shot and basically every duck you shoot there is a stud. And most of the ducks, whether you're shooting five or you're shooting 25, most all of them are always drakes. And I've got some theories for why that is. I've noticed that ever since we started going there, uh, even just scouting, like you see 30 ducks on a pond, you binocular them, there's like two hens. Hmm. Like, that's weird. Um, but my theory on that is is that, um, well, I guess it's not so much of a theory, but there are different migrational patterns between drakes, like drake ducks and hen ducks, because the hens are left to rear the brood. So the, they actually separate in the springtime, a lot of them, because the ducks the ducks do not, do not uh, um, raise their young as a pair. Only the females raise their young. So after the insemination has happened, the, a lot of times the drakes, before they molt, will molt migrate to like a drake-only area. And I think some of those um, migration patterns hold through the fall to where you get these big wads of drakes that molt migrated together in the spring after the insemination of the hens and then um, end up migrating to different parts of the country kind of together without the hens and their broods. Be a good example to bring up to like animal rights animal rights people that like oh we should live more in harmony with nature and like animals and like oh yeah so we should just bang a bunch of ladies uh, impregnate them and then uh, go on a big bachelor vacation while you guys yeah. raise these kids. <laughs> I like to think I live my life as a goose. <laughs> uh, yeah, geese are a lot more family friendly. Yes, yes, they are quite a bit. Uh, uh, yeah, the old duck uh, culture is a little on the rapey side, but you know. So we uh, who are we? We to were judge. We actually did a couple of uh, cackling goose hunts down in Oklahoma, and they were tough. Um, I think we did three of them actually, and we even had one day where there was like a winter storm warning, like during the it was on a it was on a Tuesday that we were there. 
they're supposed to get like eight to 10 inches of snow, but it was never supposed to get above like 35 or below 35 degrees. And we had a field with like 5,000 cackling geese in it, a bunch of widgeons. We're like, okay, maybe this will turn the tide in our favor. We're going to go out there in this crazy weather and see what happens. And we got our butts kicked again. And, and mostly what, what was happening with those uh, cacklers when we hunted them is we would set up exactly where they were the night before and they would come out and sit somewhere else. Hmm. And I do think there's just, there's quite a bit of hunting pressure in that area over a period of time. Those birds get hunted multiple times over multiple months and they just kind of get into a pattern of staying safe. They just learn to juke, huh? They're just like, well, we ate that restaurant yesterday. We can't eat there again today. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't know if they figure it out like that, but they, they figure it out like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like even uh, one one uh, cackling goose hunt we had, um, they landed. There was a a big wave came off the roost. We're like, here we go. They sat like three hundred yards to our south. Then another big wave comes off, and you'd think like, okay, where are they gonna land? Probably with that first big wave. Nope, they went a few hundred yards west of those geese. And then it ended up being like there was three pods of geese that were encircling us, damn near. Like, none coming to the decoys, and almost none going to where the pod before it lifted off went. So they were almost, like, going out as a group, and that group would land by themselves and stay safe. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you just notice, like, it seemed like they were just avoiding, like, other birds, pretty much. To a degree. I mean, once once the morning kind of, they would congregate, like, after the morning kind of settled down, and they'd be like... All right, that's where the hunters are. Then they would congregate <laughs> up together. Okay. But right. um, it was very difficult, and the duck hunting was difficult as uh, there just wasn't many birds there. I uh, I dropped Joe off at the airport on Saturday and came back, and they had found a good mallard and pintail hole. And then uh, Connor, or not Connor, but uh, Carter and Toso found a good uh, widgeon hole. So we actually had two good hunts lined up for that Sunday. And when I went out with Larry um, to hunt the mallard pintail hole, and basically just pintails came out, we were able to snipe a couple mallards out, but um, everybody shot their one pintail. And then um, Carter and Toso, their group, um, went out, and they had maybe a third of their birds come out, but they ended up getting like 30-some widgeons. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 30-some straight widgeons, and... Uh, but and that was the last day of the season. I mean, those pennies look so good, though. Like full sprigs, like they looked. I mean, wall birds for sure. Like a hundred percent. Like, and, and there was one day with with customers when we uh, we did get everybody got a pintail. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. You know, I do remember that storm that came in because I I remember thinking, oh my god, they're gonna smash tomorrow, and then yeah, that wasn't the case. Yeah, we went out there in the morning, and it was we started setting up the spread, and it just starts downpouring on us. I think I remember and, sending uh, you a snap saying you should have brought your white box. <laughs> <laughs> it started downpouring, and then by the time we had the spread set, it was blizzarding. Mm. Yeah, and that would make a guy think, like, here we go. This is yeah. going to be awesome. Not so much, huh? Not so much. And after that... um, well, I tucked my tail and I headed north for Kansas to work for uh, Ben Webster and Big Kansas Outdoors. 
And you're still and, shooting hawkers? Yep. The season here goes until February 12th. And then we're going to switch over to white geese. That's crazy to me. So what are you, are you seeing some white geese yet? Yep. Yep. Okay. Actually, there's been some pretty good migrator days here. And right now they're kind of in just select areas. Like there's not white geese all across the landscape, but there's pods of them here and pods of them there. Sure. Yeah, I know a few people that are in Arkansas and they're, some people are putting some on the ground. I haven't seen any just like ridiculous shoots yet, but I've seen some pretty decent ones. I think, yeah, the first couple days in Arkansas, wasn't there like a big ice storm for like two yeah. straight days? Yep. <laughs> Don't you wish you were there, Dale? Um, well, kind of, a little bit. <laughs> but I, storm, I, I saw not the... so much, but the, the guiding and yeah, I do miss that. And uh, it's so crazy in the south. Like we had that winter storm warning that we hunted on Tuesday. We hunted those cacklers in the blizzard. On Wednesday, there was no snow. Like late in the day, Wednesday, there was no snow anywhere you looked. Some of the roads were still messed up until like uh, Thursday or Friday, really almost impassable roads. But like when we get a winter storm warning in uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, y- you can tell for a while. Right. You know, like like yeah. it's not like yeah. two days later, it's 50 degrees and there's no right. snow on the ground. Right. When you get a winter storm warning, it has lasting effects. Yeah. You're like, OK, well, this is here until spring. It's... Exactly. <laughs> so, and then that, it kind of seemed like the same way with those uh, those snaps and those uh, those videos I was seeing from Arkansas with that ice storm. Like I was seeing uh, um, Carter Collins sent me some snaps where he was like banging sheets of ice off their full bodies, mm-hmm. and then a couple days later, it looks like they're hunting a mowed lawn. <laughs> <laughs> those lush green wheat fields are pretty cool when people oh. have good good hunts in there. Yeah, I bet make for good good photos you think they would um want to be in that for sure nice young right. wheat growing up but can't say i've ever well, hunted one um yeah and uh it does seem like the spring snow goose conservation season has started off with a pretty good bang down in arkansas which is um which was good to see i mean it was kind of expected with uh, how many juvies people were seeing but also people were seeing a lot of dead juvies with um the bird flu mm-hmm and, um, but I haven't been seeing really much of any reports of mass die-offs in the last month, I would say. Have you? Not really. I did just see, I saw a pulse like a week ago, but to really call it a mass die-off would be a huge stretch. Like there was a couple dozen on a pond. So it wasn't like, right. it wasn't anything crazy. I would have to think like with how much how concentrated those snow geese are and how much they intermingle with one another. Um, you'd have to think that that bird flu is ripped through the snow goose population yeah, by this point, right? It's gotta be mostly running its course or ran its course. You would, you would, you would think so me and a right. buddy have a, a, I don't know if you want to call it a theory, but uh, where like last year, last spring was just, it, we had a great hunt like in North Dakota and we we're shooting like, and even the, in South Dakota was pretty decent and we're shooting a lot of adults. It wasn't just juvies, you know, which we rely on. And so we're like, it's gotta be the flu. Like, I don't know why these adults are decoying so good. They just must not be feeling well. So he's like, I remember him saying like, oh, I hope that bird flu is still around <laughs> next year. I'm like, that's kind of a mean thing to say, but I was like, well, we are intending on shooting him in the face. So, and that is one thing, too. This bird flu isn't exactly new. It really started having a significant outbreak last spring. 
Right. So like we've had a spring with it and now a fall with it and a winter with it. Like I kind of feel like the damage that we will have seen with the bird flu, we have now seen. Yeah, that's possible. Did you see anything about like the impact on uh, in the nesting colonies, or is it no, I or is it not that bad because they're not like shoulder to shoulder anymore? They're just kind of by themselves, you know, with their I families. Did, I did not see or hear of any reports of like banders going up to the Arctic and finding a whole bunch of dead snow geese from. Um, from bird flu. Hmm. I wonder if there's another kind of like butterfly effect. Like, would this lead to better hatches in that if there was a bunch of dead, uh, birds up there due to the flu where like the predators, the foxes and the gulls and stuff like that could just scavenge and not have to actually hunt. And maybe, yeah, they, like just... maybe they didn't kill as many juveniles or eggs. Yeah, it gets like because uh, I guess polar bears can just wipe out colonies. Like if so, if a yeah, bunch of polar polar bears find a snow goose colony, they'll just gorge on eggs. Oh man, I bet. Um, but no, I I didn't hear. But that's I don't know something to think about. Yeah, an interesting theory. Get to it's work. An interesting theory. Get to work on your Google machine. Find some uh, university. By now, you should be like on first name basis with these bird biologists. You should be like, hey. Look into this this year for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have, we should get some more ba- on the show. I, yeah, we should. That would be fun. We should, uh, like, put a bug in there, like, how's this for a thesis? Or, <laughs> like, go study this. We got some crackpot. We were drinking last night, and we came up with this idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're always um, looking for inspiration. You never know. But, yeah, since I got up here to Kansas, the duck season is closed, so we are just strictly chasing um, Canada geese. And there is a mix here of big Canadas and little Canadas, unlike Oklahoma, which is almost all strictly little Canadas. Hey, I did see a flock of 32 big Canadas out in the field down there. I was like, there's got to be a band in this thing. Oh. I put my, my binocs up, two bands. <laughs> have, you, have you checked on your uh, number two snow goose? Is he still alive? I haven't. No, I haven't. Not in a long time. Had a random thought about old number two there the other day. Goose two? Goose two, yeah. Um, that's, uh, if you're not, you're just having a blank on what we're talking about, the Alberta Conservation Association GPS lesser snow goose tracking is what we're talking about. They put GPS collars on eight geese. Goose number two was by far the most interesting to watch. And he was alive as of last spring. I think somebody told me that his GPS collar had died. Oh, no. Those things have been on and tracking for like three or four years now. Yeah. Do they, are they just permanently affixed? Do they fall off ever? Or I wonder, like, how do no, they, well, how do they yeah. know it's dead? It just stopped responding? I think so. Hmm. Or, hmm. or it's dead. Well, it just, Look it up right now. Well, there you go. Live from the field. Breaking news <laughs> <laughs> on the Waterfall Wednesday. Yeah, oh, cool. wow. Content offline. We're sorry this page is currently unavailable. Oh, man. Yeah, that sucks. The mystery of Goose 2 shall remain Maybe a they mystery. All but they, they really should leave that up because... Uh, it was really interesting to look at it through the years, like how those, it was not very interesting for 
goose one and goose three through eight because mm-hmm. all they did was fly down through Alberta and then go hang out in the Sacramento Valley. <laughs> and like, some of them would boring. die. Yeah, some of them would get shot here and there. And like Goose Two was the only one that came out of Alberta and went to the Central Flyway, and even crested into the Mississippi Flyway. Hmm. Because he was over in Arkansas a bunch, a couple years. Yeah, and then he said, "Didn't he? Didn't you pinged him, or he didn't ping him? Like you looked at it and you were like, you were close to him at one point in time, and like, wasn't it Kansas?" It was in Kansas. He was in Southeast Kansas, I think, three years ago, and I, I went driving around looking for him. But the, the, the GPS pings were not, like, live. They were right. actually, um, I think they were two days old. Yeah. So you could see where he was two days ago. And he had just been in multiple ponds. They gave one ping per day. It was at noon. And so you could see, like, in this area in Southeast Kansas that he had been, like, on one of – three or four different ponds for like eight straight days, like loafing there at noon. So, and they were all pretty close together. I was like, and there's not that many snow geese there that time of year. <laughs> this is all. You're like, like, well, I'm going to go get that motherfucker is what I'm going to do. And I checked all those ponds. There was a single snow goose sitting on one of them. And I damn near shit my pants and drove into the ditch to get my binoculars <laughs> out. But uh, no, he was not the neck collared bird. And I found out two days later when I was able to see the ping because I was in that area at noon, like strategically, like because I want because I figured he might be on one of those ponds if it's noon. And, you know, and then also I could see two days later how close I got to him. And yes, I got one half mile from where oh, Goose 2 was in Southeast Kansas. But I went like back and forth between those few ponds and then I, I kind of gridded out the area. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to find him. Uh, I think it's time I, I t- throw the towel in and I start heading home. And I was driving north back up towards the freeway. And hit and, him with your car. No, I'm And I had probably gone like <laughs> five or six miles north. And that's when I had driven past. He was just a half mile off that road I took north to go back to the interstate, um, which was, you know, like 15 miles north of me. And so he was just a half a mile west. So when I drove past him, I had technically like, or when I was a half mile away, I had kind of thrown the towel in already. I mean, Hmm. believe me, I was looking, I was keeping an eye out for white geese, but I was not actively like grid searching anymore. But I did get, technically, I got like a half mile from him. That's But when I was like actively, actively searching for him, I was searching in an area that was like four miles away from where he actually was. And then after I threw in the towel, I drove a half a mile from where he actually was on my way out. If you would have drove by and just saw him in a ditch and it was totally accessible to get him, like, would you have done it? Oh, 100%. Or would you have been conflicted? That's what I was there to do. Yeah, but at the moment, like, you felt, I feel like you like you developed a relationship with Goose number two. Like, you think it would have just been as easy as, this. there he is, I'm going to kill him. I would have trespassed and shot him with a rifle with no hunting license. (laughs) (laughs) I am just kidding. I did not even have a rifle. (laughs) I don't even own a rifle. I didn't have a rifle or a license. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had a plan to get him. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what I was there to do. If I saw him, I was going to go get him. I feel like I would have been. I think I would have gone through with it ultimately but i think there would have been a moment where i've been like would this be a cooler story if i just got like got a picture and then what if 
I like found him on one of those ponds and it had like a berm on one side where you could totally sneak through the pasture and jump up and bang and get him. And so I go and I knock on the door and I was like, excuse me, sir, blah, blah, blah. I would like to jump your pond. And he was like, absolutely not. What then? Oh, <laughs> gosh. Kill the man, then kill the goose. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only right answer. <laughs> I mean, options are limited. What are you going to do? Well, how, I mean, at that point, do you, like, bust out the wallet? You'd be like, man, I'm, uh, this, yeah. is, this, is the, this is a very special goose. I will give you $100 to let me, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you might as well, like, take a, break out all the stops. Like, give them the whole backstory. Like, listen, I want, there's one goose. I'm going to fire probably one shot. Right. You know, what if you get permission, you go down, you do the jump, you blast, 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 birds are falling everywhere, but number two flies away. <laughs> that would be very heartbreaking. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we were having this conversation in Oklahoma, too, epic misses. And I have missed in my life for sure two hybrids. Mm. Yeah. I've got some. I've got some painful memories, man. I only really have one, like, like regretful, oh, I can't even say it was a shot. So we were hunting in North Dakota, and we had sailed a couple um, geese way down. Like, we are up on this big, like, knoll, and there's the lake down below, like, way down below. I think we sailed them over there. And the one, like, died, died, you could tell. Like, well, that one's dead, but the other one was like a legit cripple, you know? So like we picked up, we're driving by. I'm like, well, we really should probably go check and go grab those. Cause the wind was blowing like in the right direction that if they're dead, they should be against shore. And I don't know. It was probably, I don't know. It was like half a field section to where, to you know, from where you could get to it from the road. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to run out there. And because it was so far, I did like, I was like, should I grab my gun? Like, ah, they're, they're, they're dead, you know, whatever. So I'm like, didn't grab the gun. It's, it's, it's terrible. Just horrendous decision. So I run down there and I find I find the one goose and he's dead and it's banded. Like oh, oh shit. yes, I was like sweet. I like I was so stoked because there was part of us was like God so far if we just forget it you know which obviously is not the right thing to do always chase your cripples, um, but. I did, and also I was feeling super happy. I'm like, there's not going to be any controversy. I'm the only one that sweat my balls off and did ran half a mile to get this thing. This one's mine. <laughs> so yep. I keep walking a little bit, trying to find the yellow one, and I see him sitting against the shore, and all of a sudden his head comes up, and he flies a little bit and dumps down. And I, you know, obviously if I had a gun, I was in range. I could have finished him off, and it had been done. And I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 90% sure I also saw something on that leg the brief moment that he was up and back down again. Yeah, if you saw it, you saw it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, God. And the fact that we dumped him out of the same flock and the one was banded and it was locally banded. Of course, we didn't know at the time, but we, you know, when I got the, the thing was banded like five miles from where we were hunting. So probably that whole family was probably banded, you know. Like God, so yeah, that's only my real only, and that wasn't even a miss. That was just me not bringing my gun like a dipshit. Right, always bring your gun. I know. 
<sighs> Still, we find ways to not do it sometimes. It's not the first time that's happened where I've, like, gone out to pick decoys up or got, done something and didn't bring a gun, and then, you know, bird flies straight over your head or whatever the case would be. And you're like, God dang, this is why you always bring your gun. But yep. I don't know. There's times yep. I miss for sure that you just, like, there's times I know I miss before I pull the trigger. You ever do that? Where you're like, why did I even, why did I even waste that shell? I knew I wasn't on that bird. But then yeah, there, it happens. Yeah, then there's other times where it's like every time I squeeze the trigger, I'm fully expecting it to crumple, and all three shots, nothing. And you're just like, I have no idea what just happened there. That's painful. Ugh, those are brutal. So brutal. Well, we have actually gotten a little bit of revenge on the little geese here while in Kansas. Um, we're running some, some hunts that have been pretty difficult, and we're running some hunts that have been very, very successful. Good. What's very, very successful? How many? Almost. Uh, I don't know if we have any full limits, but we have near can- near limits. Nice. For how many guys? Um, like, for like we're running like an average of six guys. Oh, month. nice. So the, the limit's six, so they're shooting, you know, between 30 and 35. Plus, you can shoot an additional two speckle belly geese. So technically, you can shoot Ooh. eight geese, eight geese, six of which can be Canada's, two of which can be specs. Nice. So I had that thought. Was it? It was either today or yesterday. I don't remember which Snapchat I was watching, but there was. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Anyways, there's huge spin over you know these people, and all you can hear is specs. You know, the little the little speck giggle going on. I'm like, oh man, that would be a great spin overhead if those weren't all white fronts. And it's now February in Arkansas, which goes and back they to say, something. Kill them! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did it's, that goes, happen? No, it did not. They're like, do you see any white in there? That's what the guy said. Um. And then they stopped filming, so I don't know if they did or not. But yeah, I that's remember, a little risky. Yeah, that was my takeaway when I when I did guide in Arkansas that year. I'm like, everybody is just cannot wait for that spring snow goose season. So like unplugged shotguns and e collars and no limit, blah 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 blah. If you go down the last week of February or last week of January, everything's open. You get covered up in specs, you can shoot them, and you can still shoot snows too. And ducks. It's like, right. oh, everybody's waiting for February 1st. Go there the last week of January. You can shoot everything. Oh, the right. limit is only 50 for snows. Well, good God. <laughs> you get six guys. That's 300 birds. Like, that's basically no limit. I mean. Yeah, 50 is almost <laughs> no limit. For all intents and purposes. I mean, how many how many times you kill more than that? Like, with six guys. Like, that's so rare. But then, right. yeah, you wait that next week, and now you're limiting yourself to opportunities. But I don't know. It's just better advertising, I guess. So we had one hunt that I guided uh, here in Kansas, and um, the birds were roosting very close. But the wind, we were upwind of them, so the wind was, and it was heavy that morning, like 20, 25-mile-an-hour winds. And uh, blowing away from the roost towards us, and we had a tree line between us and the roost. And I was like, as long as we, if we don't blow this roost up, we're going to do really good. Like if, if by some miracle they do not hear our shooting, it's going to be a good day. So we're sitting there. We got all set up. Single honker comes out, just bows up in the spread. And I even told the guys, like, guys, we are so close to the roost. Like if a single comes in, I might not even call the shot. But if I do call the shot, shoot it in one shot, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So then, of course, first thing that happens, single, bombs in, back flapping, 15 yards, kill that bird, guys, Expe- expecting to hear thump. I hear boom, 
boom, boom, boom, boom, boom, boom, boom. Then still alive. Like I take some, I, I counted. It was like eleven shots before it finally. Somebody center punched it. Like somebody center punched it. It was a back flap and like trying to get away. Like in this barrage of artillery coming at it. And I'm just sitting there in my blind, cringing, like waiting to hear the explosion of lessers from behind us, you know? Right. And I'm just like, here it comes. We're so fucked. <laughs> and nothing happens. Oh, and I wait, man. and I wait, and I wait, and nothing happens. And I was like, oh, my God, we're going to fuck them up today. <laughs> 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 and we did. We got three really big spins off that roost. Nice. Yeah, well, you said, the, but you said the the wind was blowing from the roost to you, correct? Yeah, so they couldn't hear it. The yeah, wind was so blowing yeah, the sound yeah, yeah. away from us. Yeah, that's exactly what you want, especially a strong Yeah, wind. but still, dude, like the from my decoy spread to like the closest point of that roost was like 415 yards. I checked it on Google Earth, hmm. and then uh, like from the from my decoy spread to the furthest part of that roost was like around 750 yards. So they were close. Well, worked out. Shit. It did. It did. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. All right. Well, what else you got? Anything uh, super fun and exciting? Big no, takeaways? Um, the birds that we're having success success hunting are just birds that aren't super, super pressured. Um, if we get down into an area where birds are very pressured, then we're dealing with birds that are a lot more wary. Um, this hunt that I did where the wind was blowing and we were hunting close to the roost. That was an area that I was sent to scout that doesn't have so many hunters, you know, not so many geese either. Right. Um, right. So it gets a little bit more difficult to find the birds, but when you do find them, you got a little bit higher chance of, of, of having a successful hunt on them. Yeah. That makes um, sense. And a good thing of working with big Kansas outdoors too, is we've got a lot of people out scouting. So we can send guys to the, to the main areas and then we can send some guys out to the areas that, um, don't have as much pressure or as many birds because if they do happen to find something, we got a higher chance of success. Running hunts at these birds that haven't heard gunshots for a while. Well, the, the calendar keeps flipping over and the seasons are changing, so uh, you should be, in theory, getting fresh birds, as they say, depending on the weather, right? Like yeah, things are starting I, to push. Yep, and I have been seeing migrators coming over town, and uh, i seen a, a push of migrators this morning around 10.30 a.m., and um yeah the, things the the monopoly board is getting shaken up that's nice. for sure the game board is getting shaken up and we're having we're having to stay on our toes to to keep an eye on what's happening out there but also um it's exciting because we could catch some birds slipping yeah i mean they don't have home field advantage you know that that's such a huge i think that's a huge uh thing in your favor Absolutely. One thing uh, yesterday, I've been still scouting this area that doesn't have many birds, um, but it has been getting more with, with uh, some new birds pushing in. I'm kind of dealing with an issue where they're not picking a spot to eat every day. They're like going out to a one restaurant in the morning, one re different restaurant in the afternoon. And I'm like, God damn it. If these things just pick a favorite restaurant, we can fuck them up. Right. <laughs> but if they keep going out to different spots and I, it's not related to like the same thing that was happening with the Oklahoma birds. Like these birds are just new and they're just testing out different, you know, different fields. Right. They're well, not doing it because they're like heavily pressured, especially in this area. They're just doing it because they haven't exactly figured out their, their favorite field to eat corn in yet. So are you, you, are you then, um, employing like 
your, say, Minnesota migrator day kind of strategies? If you are you pretty confident that you're going to have some migration a particular day, is it important that you find a feed field or are you like, we just need to get decoys and be seen? No, they don't. We don't really do much of like Minnesota style migrator hunting here just because it's mostly all the little geese and little geese tend to migrate more oftentimes at night. Mm. And, um, just in general, I've had like some really good migrator days, like coming out of the North in Canada in the fall. And, and they, they really are much more difficult to pull out of the sky than the big geese. Interesting. Is it just harder to get the amount of noise that you need maybe? Because they're just loud little bastards? I think it might be that there's birds in those flocks of little geese that are so old that they know they, they, they are very landmark orientated. So they are going to get up off of this roost and they're going to fly to this roost. You know, like we're going to get up here in South Dakota and we're going to stop in Kansas. After that, we're going to go, we're going to sit there for a couple of weeks. And when we move, we're going to Lubbock, Texas. You know, like they have their, they have the checkpoints already set in stone where the big geese are a little bit more, um, they're a little bit more willing to get thrown off course. Hmm. It's interesting. I wonder, yeah, that's, it's like, it's so crazy that just like, Obviously, they're different subspecies, but they look the same. It's just size difference, but yet, yet they're like, I don't know what you'd call it. Their uh, social structure is totally different. Right, right. Which is obviously changes the way you hunt them. So that's exactly. Cool. Can't say I've ever targeted. Well, that's a lie. I guess we kind of target them when, we, when we're hunting North Dakota because, you know, there's some giants out there, but not a lot. And in fact, what we've found is like the giants seem to avoid large decoy spreads, especially if you got the the white spread out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You don't want to be running any whites if you're hunting giants. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Not saying they'll never. I'm not saying they'll never come into it. I mean, we've shot giants over white spreads, but in general. I feel like it's almost an accident when it happens. So like I shot. This is one of those days I really wish I would have had like the the fish scale with me to, to weigh this goose. This thing was an absolute giant. And, uh, we saw him the whole time. Like the, we hunted that same field, I think like two days, maybe even three days. I don't remember. And we saw the same, like, I don't know if it was a family group or whatever. It was a small group. It was like eight birds all three days. And they would just skirt our field the whole time. Like they wanted nothing to do with us. And then uh-huh. the one fateful day, they just, flew right over top of us and i have a feeling they weren't decoying i think they just picked that flight path for whatever reason and we shot two of them out of there and they're both giant but the one was just like exceptionally large <laughs> yeah <laughs> like just absolute behemoth i got a picture of that thing somewhere but i don't know so you're there i gotta pull up the calendar one more week of honker hunting you said the 17th 12th. 12th is oh, our last 12. day. Oh, so you got five days. Five much. days left to hunt darks. Darks, and then you're switching over to the white devil. That'll be yep, cool. Be I can't wait we... for that because just all the shit talk about you not liking to hunt <laughs> snow keys. I like it's to hunt be them. Fun. Uh, you just don't like, I like to hunt you, white. You just don't like being cold and wet and muddy, which is 
I guess I don't well, know. Luckily, if, I don't know if Kansas falls into that category, but luckily it's beautiful here. I like oh. hunting whites. I just. I just don't like hunting them too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, what's the like water situation in Kansas? Like, are they in a drought? Is it normal? Is it? It's very dry. Flooded. It's dry. Okay. Very dry. Do yep. you think that played into your lack of success with the the ducks in Oklahoma? Um, Oklahoma was very dry, but they got like five inches of rain in October. There was water in the ponds, although it was significantly lower. I do think that that played into some of the lack of birds that were in the area, but not as much as the warm weather prior to our arrival, which, okay. yeah. Makes sense. All right, dude. Well, let's uh, keep at it. Keep getting good stories. Contact, I'll try, man. Yeah, let's contact in, all uh, your, uh, your, your scientist nerds and <laughs> try to get some on the air. All right, buddy. Well, yeah, until next time, we'll chat with you next week. Sounds good, dude. All right, bye. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.